Welcome to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. I'm Jennifer, your host, a mental health and wellness advocate, and a trauma survivor. This platform will be used to break the silence and create awareness around mental health in the Black community and in general for all people. My hope is that you will feel seen, heard, supported, and valued as we progress through the journey of healing and growing. Welcome back to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. I'm thankful to have made it through another successful week, and I hope you are doing well and staying safe and staying healthy. We're still in quarantine. We're still dealing with this COVID-19 situation. And some days, you know, I'm just really over it. (laughs) I have to be really honest. I'm just really over hearing and having to talk about COVID and having to just plan around it. Um, it's, it's, It's becoming a lot. And I think as time goes on, I'm just like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over now. So I don't know if anybody else feels the same, but that's just the way I feel about it. But I am thankful that I'm safe and healthy. My family's healthy, you know, so I am grateful for that. That's the most important thing. You know, my condolences to anyone that has lost a loved one throughout this whole pandemic situation. You know, it's it's I can't even imagine what that would be like to have to deal with. So I am cognizant of that. Just venting a little bit about COVID today. All right. So today, the topic that I want to talk about is coping mechanisms. And that kind of goes hand in hand with COVID right about now, because I think we're all just trying to cope, cope with this situation and and make the best of it and just kind of stay, stay, just stay afloat. Coping mechanisms. What exactly is a coping mechanism? How do you define coping mechanism? So a coping mechanism is a psychological strategy or adaptation that a person relies on to manage stress. Sometimes coping mechanisms are intentional choices, while other times a person may be unaware that they're using them. So that's a little definition of coping mechanism. Now, I thought it was interesting that in in the way that it's defined, it says that, you know, at times someone may not even be aware that they're using them. And and I'm going to dive into that a little bit deeper, but that's definitely for me the catch when it comes to coping mechanisms. I think it's just so interesting how we, it's like behavioral. We can do things to just cope with a situation and not necessarily realize that, oh, that's what I'm doing. This is actually my coping mechanism. So it requires a level of self-awareness for you to even be able to acknowledge and recognize that. In addition to that, coping mechanisms are, you know, mostly utilized to deal with like life stressors. So life stressors are often described as negative events, for example, like the death of a loved one, loss of a job, divorce, etc. However, positive changes in life as well could be considered a stressor, for example, um, marriage, uh, birth of a child, moving, a new job, etc. All those things can also contribute to life stressors, even though they 
are considered like a positive change, thus requiring the use of coping skills to adapt. So again, coping strategies are like behaviors, thoughts, and emotions that you use to adjust to the changes that occur in your life. Coping can be broken down pretty much into two categories. One category would be considered active and the other category would be considered avoidant. Active coping strategies involve an awareness of the stressor followed by attempts to reduce the negative outcome. And by contrast, avoidant coping is characterized by ignoring the issue, often resulting in activities that aid in denial of the problem. So that right there, those two categories are huge because again, you could be aware of your coping mechanisms and you might not be aware of it. And unfortunately, I think when it falls in the category of you not even being aware of what you're doing to cope, a lot of times that ends up leaning towards like strategies that are not positive, like drinking, sleeping excessively, isolating, eating excessively, uh, things like that, that sometimes we do to comfort ourselves, but it may not always be the most productive or positive way to handle a situation. So I just wanted to go over some common styles of coping as far as strategies. A healthy coping strategy is humor, pointing out the amusing aspects of the problem at hand or positive reframing is thought to help deal with small failures. Also, you have the option of seeking support, like asking for help or finding emotional support from family members or friends can be an effective way of maintaining emotional health during a stressful period. Problem solving. As described, problem solving is an instrumental coping mechanism that aims to locate the source of the problem and determine solutions. This coping mechanism is often helpful in like work situations. Then you have adjusting expectations. Anticipating various outcomes to scenarios in life may assist in preparing for the stress associated with any given change or event. I just wanted to comment on the adjusting expectations. This one is interesting because I, for a long time, didn't really know how to do that. Not that I didn't know how to do that, but I didn't realize like I could just do that (laughs) to help with, you know, certain situations. And my husband would always bring that to my attention, like, like, you know, like years ago when this was like an issue for me. And it was like, well, you know, you could just, just change your expectations or lower your expectations of certain people or certain situations and things. And I used to be like, wow, like, why would I do that? Like, why would I not expect anything of them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I would just go in on that. But then later on in life, I realized, you know what? Sometimes you really do just need to adjust your expectations, especially once you already know what you're dealing with if it come if you're if you're referencing like a particular individual and it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing but sometimes you just have to accept people for who they are and when you know what you're dealing with then you know just adjust to that versus you know having unrealistic expectations of the situation and then now you're disappointed or stressed and it's just you know not working out in your favor so adjusting expectations is definitely a good thing when applicable. 
So here are some unhealthy coping strategies or just not as positive, however you want to classify it. But one, like I mentioned previously, is is denial. You know, avoidance of the issue altogether may lead to denying that a problem even exists. Denial is usually maintained by distractions such as excessive alcohol consumption, overworking, or sleeping more than usual. Also, you have self-blame as another unhealthy coping strategy, internalizing the issue and blaming yourself. And this is like beyond just taking responsibility for your actions. So beyond holding yourself accountable, um, which could lead to like low self-esteem and sometimes depression. And then another one is venting and externalizing coping technique. Venting is the outward expression of emotions, usually in the company of friends or family. In moderation, it can be healthy. However, ruminating on the negative can lead to strained relationships over time. And this is this is a good one because like I, I said at the beginning of this episode that I was venting about COVID, right? We all vent at some point in time. You know, it's it's really a human response, I think. But it can just be excessive. And I think when it's excessive, that's kind of when it's like, okay, this is just too much. And you just become like a negative Nancy, especially, you know, if all you're doing is just complaining and you're never really looking for any type of solution. And if you are given solutions or advice or recommendations, you don't really implement them. You don't, you don't utilize them. You just are fixated on venting. You know, that can be draining depending on who's listening to you. I mean, after a while, they just get tired of listening to the same thing over and over and over again. So definitely venting can be considered an unhealthy coping strategy if it's excessive. In regards to unhealthy coping strategies, I wanted to just talk about addictions because addictions are real. Addiction can be considered a a coping mechanism for stress. I mean, unfortunately, that's what a lot of people utilize to deal with stress. And so that could be drug addiction, alcohol addiction, eating addiction, pornography addiction, um, yeah, sex addictions. I mean, you know, there's like a laundry list of different types of addictions that people can have. And I don't think people are always aware that these behaviors and these addictions, and sometimes people don't even realize they're addicted to something, but it's not always at the forefront of your mind that your behavior is a coping mechanism. Especially, you know, when it comes to like alcohol and, you know, you can drink alcohol socially, which is, I guess, considered acceptable because it's legal. But, you know, then there's people that literally once they wake up in the morning, they have to have a drink. You know, it's just multiple times a day. Like it's just excessive and there's just no end to it. Um, And it's very destructive. So a lot of times that's just a sign that someone is just really trying to suppress their emotions, suppress their feelings, suppress traumas, like whatever it is that they're dealing with. But there's usually an underlying issue there that, you know, you need to get down to the root cause of. And instead of doing that, though, unfortunately, people just lean towards these addictions that provides a temporary relief uh, relief for them. This is a no judgment zone, you know, and I'm just putting this stuff out there because 
it's real. Everybody is is doing the best that they can. But I just wanted to talk about this because if you find yourself, you know, in a situation where you're really abusing any of those things that I listed, or if you can be honest with yourself and say that, yeah, I am addicted, just sit with yourself and, and figure out like, there's probably more going on. Like why, why, what am I trying to suppress, you know? And it's just, it's definitely a red flag. And I would really just encourage you, like, you know, if you're dealing with that, to just take the time to be honest with yourself. You know, the first step is to acknowledge that, okay, I have an issue. This is an issue. This is spiraling out of control. Again, like I've I've been saying, you know, all along, that would be a first step to you taking the initiative to maybe make an appointment and go and speak to a therapist and start doing some talk therapy to try to uncover, you know, the underlying issues that you're experiencing and and what is it that you're trying to get relief from? Like if you don't smoke and if you don't drink and if you aren't eating excessively and if you're not like watching pornography excessively, like if you're not doing those things, like what's going to happen to you? Like what, what are you afraid of? What are you trying to distract yourself from? Basically is what I'm saying. It's not easy for you to sit with yourself, but it's part of the healing journey. That's the first step is to just sit with yourself and be honest with yourself, you know, because this is all about you and nobody else. Some addicts remain in denial or don't know how to cope with stress in a healthy way. And others may just be blaming themselves for like a negative past experience, either of which may lead to excessive substance abuse or behaviors to escape. So drugs can be a form of self-medication for an untreated or undiagnosed mental illness, providing temporary relief from difficult symptoms. So that's just kind of piggybacking on what I just said previously. Again, if you find yourself in a situation where you're heavily like leaning towards substance abuse to just relieve yourself from some type of pain, you know, there there really could be more going on with you. You know what I mean? That you you've just never even uncovered. So definitely factor in that, okay, maybe there is something else going on and maybe I need to go and talk to someone and get some help. I mean, I don't have any firsthand experience with stuff like this. So I'm just talking because I know that there are a lot of people out there impacted by this. I just think it's important. It's very important. So I know that they have like different types of rehabs and things like that. But I think when you go to rehab, I would imagine that once you're done with it, you still probably have like unprocessed trauma or something that you need to work through. So maybe once you're done with a program like that, then you can look into talk therapy, you know, to just kind of help you process things that maybe you've just never talked about before and you've never uncovered. That's just my suggestion, my recommendation and my encouragement to anybody listening that could relate to a situation like that. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, between 50 to 66% of individuals suffering from addiction also suffer from mental health conditions. For adults, PTSD can display in a variety of mental issues such as 
insomnia, depression, anxiety, and panic attacks. So untreated and undiagnosed PTSD can really disrupt someone's life, making it difficult to go through daily routines. And a lot of times people lean towards, you know, substance abuse to help them cope with stuff like that. So just pointing out that there are just a lot of people impacted by stuff like this. And again, there's probably a deeper issue going on. And it's not that you just want to drink all day. You just want to smoke all day or you just want to do, you know, whatever it is that you're doing to cope. You know, there's probably an underlying issue that you need to get to the root cause of. Here are some important coping strategies that will address the physical symptoms of stress. So one is practicing good sleep hygiene. There is such a thing as sleep hygiene. I never really heard that term, but there is, um, which includes techniques having a consistent sleep and wake up time. So if you don't, you wind up functioning in a state of jet lag. So avoiding caffeinated and alcoholic drinks close to bedtime practicing getting into a relaxed state when you go to bed and shutting off electronics. Second is giving yourself regular breaks. So take a walk, stop working and eat a good dinner or talk with a friend. Give your mind a moment to rest and recognize, reorganize. Contrary to many people's first instincts when they are stressed, taking breaks actually makes you more efficient, more energetic and better able to tackle the challenges in front of you. Next is regularly practicing self-soothing techniques. So you can try like listening to music, taking a bath, watching a movie, getting a massage, relaxation, yoga. These are all like on the list of possible ways to self-soothe, which will make efforts to include these strategies in your daily routine as they will help you cope with stress and prevent becoming more stressed. Also exercising regularly. I mean, we're told this all the time, but it really does help. And I really need to do better with this myself. Exercise is one of the first things to fall by the wayside when you're stressed, yet it's one of the most important coping techniques in terms of reducing tension and increasing energy. So no matter how stressed and frantic you are, still make time to exercise. Another option is maintaining a healthy diet. So when your mind is full of worries and pressures, many people find that they slip into mindless eating, eating at any time of day and and eating anything that they're craving. So mental health and diet, there is a correlation there. There are things and foods that you can eat that are just unhealthy that will have a negative impact on your mood. And um, so it's very important to be mindful of that and not just go crazy on the cravings. And last but not least, like I mentioned before, um, limit your consumption of alcohol and other mood altering substances, including sleep aids. So, you know, you can have whether it's like a glass of wine or whatever it is that you choose to do. But again, in moderation, anything that is, is excessive will just turn into a negative and it'll just have a negative impact on your health and everything else around you. So just be cautious of that. So yeah, so those are just some tips and things around coping mechanisms. If you're experiencing any of those 
things that I mentioned before that you're just, and you might not even be aware that you're doing it, but sometimes people are just workaholics. Sometimes that's a trauma response, a coping mechanism. You have to stay busy like all the time because if you're not busy, then you'd be required to kind of sit still and sit with yourself. And sometimes people just don't want to sit with themselves. And, um, you know, this this pandemic and this quarantine has required us to slow down whether we wanted to or not. And um, there's a lot of stuff happening out there, you know, like domestic violence has gone up. They're saying like substance abuse has gone up, you know, just <laughs> mental health issues seem to be like on the rise with the pandemic situation and the social injustice and all the racial stuff going on, you know, so it's heavy right now. We have so much on our plates on top of whatever we were dealing with previously. So this is a very critical time to, you know, really address these things. You know, if you were running from it before, you got to slow down now. You 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 have no choice. So you might as well utilize this time to invest in your mental health and really just discover who you are, figure out like what's really going on with you. Like if you're not coping, then what would you have to to face? You know, is it childhood trauma? What is it? But you owe it to yourself to do that so that you can begin your healing journey. So in addition to coping mechanisms, I wanted to talk a little bit about defense mechanisms. Because just like there are avoidant like coping strategies, I think a lot of us also have, you know, defense mechanisms, things that we do to kind of defend ourselves, but we don't even realize that that's what we're actually doing. So defense mechanisms tend to fall into that category that's like in your subconscious mind, like you're not consciously choosing to do that to defend yourself, Um, but that's what you're actually doing. So here are some examples of defense mechanisms. So the popular one, which I talked about earlier, first and foremost is denial. So denial is one of the most common defense mechanisms. It occurs when you refuse to accept reality or facts, like you block external events or circumstances from your mind so that you don't have to deal with the emotional impact So in other words, you avoid the painful feelings or events. So this defense mechanism is one of the most widely known, Um, like the phrase they're in denial is commonly understood to mean a person is avoiding reality, despite what may be obvious to people around them. So another one is uh, repression, unsavory thoughts, painful memories or irrational beliefs can upset you. So instead of facing them, you may unconsciously choose to hide them in hopes of forgetting about them entirely. So that does not mean, however, that the memories disappear, but they may influence behaviors and they may impact future relationships. So you just may not realize the impact this defense mechanism is having. Another popular one is projection. Some thoughts or feelings you have about another person may they make you uncomfortable. Um, so if you project those feelings, like you're um, misattributing them to the other person. So for example, you may dislike your new coworker, but instead of accepting that, you choose to tell yourself that they dislike you. 
and you see in their actions the things you wish you could do or say. Projection is is one of those things where I think we're all probably guilty of that at one point in time where you just unload um, on someone else. And it's not even about them, though. It's you and whatever you got going on or something that you were triggered about from the past, but you're just projecting it on to the next person. So another one is displacement. You direct strong emotions and frustrations toward a person or object that doesn't feel threatening. This allows you to satisfy an impulse to react, but you don't risk significant consequences. So a good example of this defense mechanism is getting angry at your child or your spouse because you had a bad day at work. So neither of these people is the neither of these people is the target of your strong emotions, but reacting to them is likely less problematic than you reacting to, let's say, your boss. Next, we have regression. Some people who feel threatened or anxious may unconsciously escape to an earlier stage of development. So so a lot of times you'll see that happen with children, like if they experience trauma or something, next thing you know, they start going backwards. So if they already were potty trained, they may start like wetting the bed again. If they were already off the bottle, maybe they might want the bottle again or um, they start sucking their thumb or, you know, things like that. But um, adults can regress as well. So adults who are struggling to cope with events or behaviors may return to sleeping with like a stuffed animal, overeating foods they find comforting or like begin chain smoking or or things like that. If, If that's something that they had already grew out of or bypassed, they may regress back to that. Another one is rationalization. Uh, Some people may attempt to explain undesirable behaviors with their own set of facts. This allows you to feel comfortable with the choice you made, even if you know on another level it's not right. So, for example, people who might be angry um, at someone for not completing their work on time could be ignoring the fact that they're typically late as well. Sublimation. This type of defense mechanism is considered a positive strategy. That's because people who rely on it choose to redirect strong emotions or feelings into an object or activity that is appropriate and safe. So for example, instead of lashing out at your employees, you choose to channel your frustration into kickboxing or exercise. You could also funnel or or redirect the feelings into music, art, or sports. Reaction formation. People who use this defense mechanism recognize how they feel, but they choose to behave in the opposite manner of their instincts. So a person who reacts this way, for example, may feel they should not express negative emotions such as anger or frustration. They choose to instead react in an overly positive way. Compartmentalization. This is a good one. Separating your life into independent sectors may feel like a way to protect many elements of it. For example, when you choose to not discuss personal life issues at work, you block off or compartmentalize that element of your life. This allows you to carry on without facing the anxieties or challenges while you're in that setting or mindset. So yeah, the work setting, that's that's a good example. And I think a lot of times it's wise. (laughs) To, to that, especially in a work environment, 
But um, a lot of us will will do that as well in in our personal lives where you may do that with a certain group of friends, like what you do with this group of friends, you don't really involve another group of friends or talk to them about it at all. And you may just have like different people in your life and different buckets um, and people may realize that, well, you act different when you're with these people than when you're with me or, you know, things like that. So that can be a defense mechanism um, that people do unconsciously. And the last one is intellectualization. When you've hit a trying situation, you may choose to remove all emotion from your responses and instead focus on quantitative facts. You may see this strategy in use when a person who was let go from a job chooses to spend their days creating, I don't know, spreadsheets or looking for other job opportunities and leads. That's, you know, a good thing, I would imagine. But, you know, if it's too soon and you're not allowing yourself to actually process what happened and you're just suppressing it, then, yeah, that's a defense mechanism that's probably not the healthiest. You should give your t- yourself time to actually process what happened before you just jump right into looking for another job or jump right into another relationship or whatever it is that you were dealing with. Give yourself time to process things. All right. Well, that is all I have for today on coping mechanisms. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at healinggrowjourneypodcast at gmail.com. And you can also reach me via Instagram at healinggrowjourney. Take care. Be blessed. Until next time.